0: Proudly coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Frontier Podcast. I'm your host, Ledge, and we are powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes and join the conversation at the Frontier Pod on Twitter. Giddy up!
1: Ahmad Nasri is a force in the open source world. Any given day, you can find him leading advisory groups at the Node.js Foundation, kicking off OSS conferences, or masterminding technology communities like Techmasters. You might be surprised to know he's also an architectural lead at one of the world's largest telco companies. How does love of open source fit into the legacy corporate world? Ahmad and Ledge tackle the gray areas between software engineering skills, the people factors of hiring, and open source as a place to grow and professionally develop whether or not your day job contributes to the space.
0: Ahmad, good to have you here. Really, really stoked to have you on. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. Fantastic. So, a lot of people in our audience are familiar with you, but for those who are not familiar, can you give you know your two or three minute uh, background, you know, of yourself and your work?
1: Sure. Um, no pressure. Uh, my name is Ahmed Nasri. I am uh, currently the chief uh, architect at a company called Telus in Canada. It's a big telecom in Canada. Um, I spend a lot of time in the open source world. I've done a lot of uh, community-based kind of uh, programming and initiatives. I'm the founder of a community called Tech Masters, a lot of freelancers and developers from all across Canada and the world. Um, I mentor in Node School Toronto, I organize a number of conferences and events in the community in Canada and in Toronto. And for my own personal kind of enjoyment, I spend a lot of time writing open source software and contributing back to the community uh, as a hobby, but also as a part of our professional development. And yeah, I mean, the last uh, little bit of information about me is i guess uh, i'm syrian canadian and i'm very proud of my heritage and my history and uh, i came to canada in 2005 and uh, pretty much built uh, my life and network in canada and the wonderful community in canada that's uh, tech focused has been always where i go back to uh, you know, get support and get learnings and get growth opportunities.
0: So, you know, gosh, so much to talk about, you know, in the open source space right now, like tremendous movements, positive, a little bit of snarkiness around the edges of licenses and, you know, different things going on now. I don't know, you know, what's the what's the pulse? You know, you, you talk to hundreds of developers, you know, all the, all the time. What what are you feeling like 2018 is uh, wrapping up as?
1: 2018 is the, um, and my view is the year of uh, two things no js and security and i think Unfortunately, those two things are coming together recently in recent days. There's a lot of uh, issues that happen in the Node.js world and package maintenance and and kind of vulnerabilities that are happening more and more frequently, but that's only because of the mass adoption of Node.js and the mass popularity of Node.js and JavaScript in general. Uh, But I also say security because now more than ever things that we've always seen as developers and technologists as key foundations to how we interact with each other and other people online whether things like passwords and database and accounts and all these, they're now in the mainstream. And, and nowadays, the idea of using a password manager as an example is not something unique to a tech, techie person. It's something, you know, your grandma should be using, um, which actually has a lot of connections and implications to our profession and how we work and the kind of applications and software development we create and we do. It's becoming more in the mainstream. And this idea of uh, online identity, online security, privacy, privacy, um, all these keywords uh, under one umbrella. And at the same time, the world of, like I said, the world of Node.js and JavaScript becoming so uh, widely adopted and used by everybody means that there are, the the old world of the past where software development was a unique skill and was a limited uh, set of individuals who are very good at it. And now it's the exact opposite. There's a whole lot of people who are pretty good at it. Um, and it, the barrier of entry is so much lower, which means, there's so many more opportunities nowadays
0: obviously as you know professionals looking to preach the ethos of open source and you know sort of broaden the reach of development you know that's that's a really great thing and and then we face you know the pressures of sort of going the consuming public or business public maybe doesn't know the difference between developer a b c and d from a skills perspective or from a stack perspective or, you know, geography, um, communication, what are all the soft skills around engineering? You know, we deal with that on a daily basis. So you can have a worldwide community. That doesn't mean that maybe you have a worldwide equal playing field. I don't know. Does that, does that resonate with you? And and how do you, you deal with that when having those conversations of people who are not, you know, immersed in this?
1: It definitely resonates, I mean, hey, I work for a telco, okay,
0: <laughs> literally one of
1: the oldest i t tech companies in the world, as far as a category goes. um telecom business is very interesting in that sense, and those kind of disparities that you're describing as as daily life for for our team and the level of technology we do because we're coming in from you know the web, the internet uh, software modern software development, and we're constantly hit with. IT systems for 20, 30 years ago and, you know, telecom infrastructure and the way all these things kind of have to uh, interject at some point. Um, and yeah, like the, the point of, you know, whether it's business leaders or, you know, average Joe in the street, um, how they look at software developers and how they look at uh, technologists in general, um, it's still, there's that typical stereotype kind of view of, you know, either the uh, nerd in the basement or the uh, you know the hacker kind of mindset, and there, there is no gray area in between, and as you probably know, there's a lot of uh, uh, various shades in between of of those things, right, uh, especially in our profession so when we, when we talk about, should we hire developers uh, and, and work? And I'm like, well, okay, great. But like, what kind of developers are you talking about? <laughs> are we talking about uh, infrastructure, database, uh, automation, web, mobile? Like, there's so many different opportunities out there. And those skill sets in themselves are becoming more and more uh, deep uh, and, and uh, very specialized as opposed to something somebody can pick up really fast.
0: Well, I just want a full stack developer. Does that right. clear things up for you? Uh,
1: absolutely it does
0: yes (laughs) yeah and, and you know the huge conversations about you know security moving left and qa moving left and the coalescing of the product and engineering functions and you know who gets to rule and do we have customer empathy and do we have you know what's the purpose for even developing this and i used to be when i was in a software engineering you know i i was the nerd in the basement and i got to you know code with the lights off and you know sort of that was okay. That's not okay anymore. And the, just the rapid rise of soft skills in software, you know, being the critical factor that defines if someone can, can actually be a professional in the space. Um, how do you recommend that you know freelancers and software engineers who are trying to you know score client gigs, you know, just sort of represent themselves? What makes the standout candidate now?
1: I mean, that that's a very hard question, but just to use a personal example, like, again, I work for a telecom now, and, and I repeat that because, like, sometimes I forget that, and people around me, when I first joined a the telecom, they said, really, you working in a telecom? That doesn't kind of add up, because I was always doing the startup, bleeding edge things. And But the reality is, at the end of the day, um, the software practice, or at least the modern software practice... Uh, it's like you said, there's a level of empathy, there's a level of client engagement, there's a level of user understanding that actually take more precedence than you sitting down and writing code. You writing code should be probably the last thing you do uh, before you commit to a work or commit to a project. And that's true whether it's an enterprise or whether it's in a startup or whether you're freelancing. Um, there's that upfront effort and you have the responsibility and the and, uh, in a way, the kind of requirement to be the one to stand up on behalf of the customer, stand up on behalf of security, stand up on behalf of the user experience, stand up on behalf of the uh, technical debt that you might or might not be creating, right? Um, And that's purely a a people conversation. It has nothing to do with technology. It has nothing to do with bits and bytes and zeros and ones. You have to have that skill, the soft skills, to be able to engage with people, talk to them, either win them over to your side or, you know, help them surface their requirements better and help them surface their concerns better. Um,
0: Uh, But yeah,
1: like, so those soft skills are the ones that drive the modern software practice. It's less so now about your technology skills and your ability to write code. It's more about um, are you able to work with others and are you able to represent the practice meaningfully in whatever role or position you are. Uh, One of the key things I I always hire for, in fact, the only two things I have as a requirement for hiring individuals in in, in any software level is um, ability to learn and willingness to learn from a pure set evaluation. Because I'm not going to evaluate you on how much you know a certain framework, how you know a certain language, how you know any of that, because those things change. And as long as you have the ability to learn and the willingness to learn, you can overcome that, which means if you remove those skills from the equation, the only thing left is those soft skills. The only thing that matters is those kind of uh, ability to interact with other people and work with other people.
0: Do you... And I'll say that, that I do. Do you ever lament the days where you could just sort of be the code poet in the basement? You know, I loved writing code, and maybe I didn't want to deal with all these things. Now, I went to the business side, so the dark side of the force is strong with me. But, you know, I wondered, like, do you ever just sort of want to sit down and write code and not deal with all those things? And if so, how do you get past it?
1: Every single day. Um, And and at least for me, I have an outing and that outing is open source and being able to contribute to open source projects, be part of open source projects or just create my own open source projects, big or small doesn't matter. It gives me that out. It gives me that ability to satisfy my creative need, my um, ability to be an individual contributor where I'm not at work, for example, given the kind of leadership levels that I'm playing. Um, But at the end of the day, like, It's also a a factor of growth because if you're disconnecting from the day-to-day of building software and writing software, and again, interfacing with other humans writing software, you're going to lose that touch. And that touch is something that's generational. It's different per community of programming uh, language or system or framework. Um, and you have to be engaged in it. And if you're not able to be engaged in that at work, let's say like I am, um, you have to satisfy that somewhere else and then bring back the lessons into your day-to-day or into your work culture. And actually, there's something I forgot to mention as well. I'm also part of the Node.js Foundation uh, as part of the user feedback group. And that's precisely why, because I want to be part of the, not just you know in the core of writing things, but also... Uh, helping bring the value and the the conversation that happens at the user level of people adopting systems like Node.js and JavaScript and and bridge that gap to help others understand what needs to happen from a core development perspective or a community development perspective. Um, So I try to satisfy that in being part of these communities and being part of the open source world and being part of something outside of work. That And again, it's a privilege that I can do that. A lot of people don't have the, the time or the ability to do that outside of work. But for me, it's something I need to do because if I don't, to your point, I'll go crazy and I just want to be writing code all day instead of dealing with meetings and, and uh, uh, just business conversation all day long.
0: So last question. What are the best, most tangible communities that you know? Um, software engineers, freelancers, Uh, open source enthusiasts, you know, like just maybe your top few list, you know, things that you must be a member of to stay, you know, relevant and connected.
1: Well, there's there's one community called Techmasters. I don't know if you've heard of it. (laughs) Uh, That's a shameless plug. I I created and founded Techmasters. It's a community of over 7,500 individuals from around the world, mostly, but Canada mainly. Um, There's just software individuals and developers and engineers from all around. Um, it's a Slack conversation and it's an ongoing kind of opportunity for people to interconnect and learn. And those kind of, um, communities are rare because we see a lot of, let's say, meetups and events and uh, things that are consolidated around a thing, the thing, be it the programming language, the framework, the system, whatever. Um, but there's not a lot of communities out there around the individuals, places you can go and talk about your career as an individual, An abstract of the technology you're using. Uh, uh, Places you can connect with others who are probably suffering the same level of, you know, uh, corporate uh, headaches or challenges that you're facing and just learn from them or share your lessons with them. I think we need more of these type of communities. and I think, you know, these type of conversations and these kind of podcasts are also helpful and they're cathartic in a lot of ways. Like I listened to the Change Log, I listened to, um, I'm gonna, I'm, I've been listening to this podcast leading up to this. Uh, I started listening to a, a number of kind of techie podcasts that talk about technology, but I'm more interested in talking about the individuals and the people themselves. And to that end, I've also started a podcast called Hacker Bio just to talk about the individuals and what, they, what they're, where they're coming from, what they do, and why they're doing what they're doing, you know, an in, in abstract of the technology itself. Um, and I think, you know, communities like uh, Node.js, for example, are very interesting bunch of uh, very motivated uh, humans who are all part of this ecosystem of uh, technologies and libraries and tools. Um, And I really enjoy being part of that community. Uh, Even if I wasn't part of the core kind of Node.js foundation, there's an element of camaraderie that you get with those uh, kind of people. And I think I would encourage anybody who's uh, gone to conferences or gone to events and just attended the talks and then just went back to their daily lives, I would encourage them to also go and connect with the people who are part of those core communities, whether they're core contributors to a framework or a language or uh, the organizers of the event themselves. Connect with them because those people also have the connections further to the rest of the community and can help you connect more. So I think that's... um, it's a very interesting way to kind of get beyond the, again, the thing, whether that thing is a programming language or technology, just talk to the humans behind it and learn more about what their kind of daily lives look like. And that, that'd be a very helpful way for your own personal growth that I've kind of experienced and found very helpful.
0: It's amazing. It all comes back to people. Absolutely. i really good to have you on, man super inspirational i know the community is going to love it and we will make sure that you know all the links and and shares are in the show notes excellent thank you very much for having me thanks for listening to the frontier podcast produced by gun.io we're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers if you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer